Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at Insight. Welcome all of you. It's so good to see everybody. Um, all right, cool. So, yeah, today we're going to talk a little bit about the three marks, the three marks of existence. And don't yell at me. <laughs> For those of you know what those are, sometimes, um, yeah, they could be seen as a, as a little bit of maybe not the most joyful, but I actually want to, I want to change the title of today's talk from the three marks of existence to finding joy in, in the three marks. So the three marks of existence are impermanence, dukkha, or unsatisfactoriness, and anatta, or emptiness, non-self. And, you know, just saying those words, um, sometimes they don't emote this sense of bliss. <laughs> um, but we're going to extract them a little bit and see if we could really tune into the joy that these, these can represent. So these are huge topics. I don't think I, I personally, I've talked about the three marks because each, each one is uh, just so massive, you know, right, as far as the teachings go. So we could talk about them at great length individually. So we're going to just do a little brief overview and then talk about you know, being inspired to, to recognize them. I think if we have that, that motivation and inspiration to really uncover them, they can arise quite naturally. If we kind of can remove, if we do have an aversion to them, kind of remove that and and see where we could find instead a great a great motivation for them. And Wendy and I were talking the other day, and this these this topic came up just as the real core motivation for Dharma. Let's say that if there's ever a if we were to name um, kind of the, the, the why, it would be to, the why in, in practicing the Dharma, it'd be to experientially recognize the three marks of existence, which doing so would lead, of course, to liberation, to freedom. So we want to keep these top of mind in our motivation and for, for practice. So the three marks of existence, this is exactly as it sounds, like these, these three things mark um, the nature of all things. And I like to say these are the three things we love to forget. <laughs> we love to forget that these, these are here. And in doing so, this could be cause of, of uh, great suffering, right? So the three marks, like I mentioned, and we'll just unpack them a little bit. And the first one is impermanence. And impermanence a little bit deeper than just impermanence in, in, in that there's this, there's this quality when we say impermanence of like the ceasing of something, like something falling away. A little bit deeper look into impermanence as far, we, as, far as how we want to perceive it is that, that things are in process. So things are, are changing, that, that shifting changing quality of of all phenomena also too this is 
the impermanence is the doorway to the three marks. If we understand impermanence um, experientially, then it'll lead to the other two in fairly uh, short order. So because of impermanence, we have dukkha or unsatisfactoriness or imperfectness because things are unreliable. So because of impermanence, phenomena are unreliable as sources of contentment and therefore dukkha arises. And of course, dukkha can only arise and satisfactory only arises because of clinging, right? So it's like we cling to things that are shifting and changing and we expect things out of them, but they're shifting and changing. And of course, this causes that suffering aspect, right? The, the last one is uh, anatta. So this is um, non-self. Um, things are egoless. If we're talking about a being, then we can say egoless. Um, there's no permanent fixed self because things are in process. If we look back into um, impermanence, things are non-substantial. So if we're looking at uh, external things, it, it, they're empty from their own side, but they're, they're non-substantial. So there's no substantial characteristics uh, to them. And again, if we just look at it from the viewpoint of impermanence, um, we cannot name anything a thing because it's constantly, it's constantly changing. Right? It's constantly changing. So as soon as we label it this, it's, it's already that. It's shifting and changing all the time. And again, these are super, super broad super general looks into them. You know, as far as uh, impermanence go, um, impermanence is like looking at emptiness in the scope of time. You know, things are empty. When you look at impermanence, they're empty in, in relationship to time. And anatta is more emptiness in the term of space. Right? So we can look at them this way. So if, if we back up a little bit, we are training in these three marks from the very, very beginning. We're training in them every time we sit down to meditate and practice mindfulness. We're practicing the four foundations of mindfulness. These, you know, mindfulness of body, mindfulness of uh, feeling tones, mindfulness of mind, and then mindfulness of all phenomena. We're really already piercing into these, these three um, fundamental aspects of reality. And usually this starts out by, uh, to, to break that down a little bit, we're practicing the four foundations of mindfulness. We're usually looking at, or looking at deeper, a deeper look into the aggregates, the aggregates, the skandhas, or the heaps. And th these are just the things that, um, the aspects of, of our own experience that we like to attach the I label on top of. So um, these, um, the feeling tones, the, the form, so we have mindfulness of, of form, uh, feelings, perception. Because we have perception, we have mental formations, and then we have, and then we have consciousness, right? So we're looking into these, and when we look into them, the three marks 
of existence start to arise. Right? So if we're looking at the, the form, for example, um, we're looking at the, the constant changes uh, that, we're under, that, we're no, that we're noticing. If we're looking at uh, feeling tones, uh, Vedna, for example, we notice that they come and go and we start to understand this. Uh, understanding this in, in this in this way becomes uh, uh, it becomes a way for us to actually uh, relieve some suffering, but it's more mm, kind of more intellectual. We start to understand that things are impermanent, for example, but we're not really seen underneath that into the why. We're not in in attunement with the why. It's it's kind of like we're looking at. Um, the fruition of impermanence. Let me give you an example. We're looking at, let's say we're looking at fear arising. So let's say fear as an emotional tone is, is arising. And we can understand that the nature of fear, so we can start to understand the nature of fear by looking at it and understanding how it arises, where it arises from, how it moves, how it changes, and maybe start to look at it, it's, it's not that substantial and whatnot. And this gives rise to some wonderful insights and the aversion to this sphere. Now that once we understand its essence, the aversion could start to diminish. And at some point, we want to understand what the root of this. So why is fear arising? So categorically, shifting from a meditation on Vedna in, in this feeling tone of fear, when we move into a, a deeper introspective look into the three marks, how this looks is that instead of looking at fear, we're looking for the I that the fear is trying to protect. So this would be more of the anatta or non-self um, meditation is where is this I that the fear is, is, uh, is, a, is trying to protect? Where is that? Right? So this is the very, then once we understand, then we understand that there is no permanent fixed eye, for example, that the fear is, that there's nothing that needs protecting. Once we know, notice this experientially, oh, there's nothing that actually needs protecting. Then the fear doesn't need, need to arise in, in the first place, right? So um, they're, they're, they're both wonderful. So we kind of take from, in the, in the beginning, we're just taking the aggregates we're looking at form, and we're looking at our attachment and clinging, and we start to understand its nature, we start to understand the nature of, of feeling tones and mental formations, all of these things. And by looking at them, we understand that they're non-substantial, but we're not living in um, from that base, because we're not in tune with impermanence as our reality. It's kind of we're looking at it from a, a different reality. And we're saying, oh, it's permanent. 
but I'm not. <laughs> so we're not, there's still some dissonance there, right? Um, and so the next step is to actually flip that around and we become the three marks, right? And, and then everything arising is, has also those qualities embedded in it. So, again, a brief overview. So, so these things, um, these, these words, again, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, um, emptiness, non-self, these are not inspiring. So I want to... Maybe maybe they are to you, and I, and maybe you know, I hope they are. But let's just unpack that a little bit. How can they become a little bit more inspiring, inspiring, a little less cringy, right? I was thinking about this like if I told you I was going to throw you a party, but this party is going to be impermanent. It's not going. It's not going to last that long. I'm going to throw you a party, but it's not going to last that long. And, and it's definitely going to be unsatisfactory. <laughs> it's going to be an unsatisfactory party. Um, and, and even though it looks like it's going to be a party, that it, it, it's existing, it's really not. It's going to be like a dreamlike party, like a mirage. <laughs> uh, this is like how we interp interpret these three marks of existence um in onto this is how we kind of look at it when we're looking at it, how these these look into our everyday life you know this is kind of what we're saying about them right so let's let's do something that might be fun let's look at the complete opposite let's look at the complete opposite of impermanence the complete opposite of, of dukkha and the opposite of emptiness let's just say let's just try it on for for a moment what if we say everything is permanent? Everything is unchanging at all. It doesn't change at all. It is permanent as permanent could be. Just try that on. How does that, how does that feel? Imper that it, everything's permanent. Everything's fixed. Not moving. It should feel wrong because <laughs> it's like it's so it, it's just naturally it's just naturally wrong in that obviously we know things are are not permanent, right? That thing people are moving and 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 we're animate and we're shifting and, and changing. So if we look at this, this dukkha, this unsatisfactoriness, is because things are not dependable, because, um, because of this nature of, of impermanence. Let's say the opposite. Let's say everything in existence is reliable and dependable. Like I could depend on something being the same way every single time. Person, things, cell phones, everything is dependable. Is that true? 
that is that true that everything is dependable? We try that on, we see that just it's just simply not the case that everything is that everything's dependable, right? And and the last one is that everything is exactly how I see it. Right? Everything is exactly how I see it. So emptiness, uh, the opposite of emptiness is that everything is fixed and that my view is the view that everybody else sees. That from its own side, everything that I'm looking at is exactly how I see it universally. So that means I see it one way, you see it that same exact way, the birds see it that way, the ants see it that way. From its own side, that's exactly how it is. So if you think somebody is the most beautiful thing in the world, person in the world, that means Everybody thinks it's the most, that's the most beautiful person in the world. If you like a sports team and that's your favorite sports team and you think they're the best, that means everybody thinks that same way. Right? Is that true? Of course, that's not true. So just playing around, trying to look at different ways we could see this in that maybe, maybe there's a piece just with the truth of these three things. Maybe in the beginning, they're not something that we want to aspire to, like, oh, wow, I can't wait to understand impermanence or emptiness. Maybe that doesn't resonate with you. In, 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 a, in a conceptual way. But there's something that resonates with us about truth. There's a certain piece in the truth. And, in, and it, it could be, you know, that old film about global warming, inconvenient truth. It's an inconvenient truth, maybe, but a truth nonetheless. And, and there's, a, there's a piece in that, even though it's something that we are needing to Kind of maybe grapple with right it needs to unravel it needs to thaw right it needs to thaw in our mind and so we have this thing and you know through the warmth of loving kindness awareness and meditation practice the path the dharma the buddha dharma sangha you know through through our intention through all of these things these truths start to thaw and into something that uh, is is more peaceful and 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 why they become in the end peaceful and is that right now we're looking at them like I was saying earlier we're looking at them from this um, from this samsaric place and trying to kind of put this into words is that. We feel like in, in our reality, if this is true, there's going to be some dissonance. And that, and that is true, that there is dissonance and there is aversion in, in this reality. But this is not something that is happening in our reality. This is something that we're experiencing as a reality. So therefore, there's no dissonance. Like I was saying, how we become impermanence. So if you... If you are resting in self as impermanent, 
there's no dissonance. If you're looking at impermanence thinking that you're fixed, and you're fixed and everything, and then there's impermanence kind of fighting against you, then there's suffering. Right? So the, the, the pieces are really, most of the time, I think for most of it, is very, very slow and very gradual. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, right view, we look at seeing things just as they are. So we're seeing things just as they are. But actually, I like, I like better knowing things just as they are. Like, not only seeing them, but seeing them kind of, we look at like seeing things just as they are. But, but what is seeing it? is exactly as everything else is. So that the seer and what is being seen, there's no difference in that. So it's like we're seeing ourselves and the perceiver just as it is. And what is being apprehended is also seen as it is. There's no dissonance anymore in the realization of these things. There's no dissonance. And this is this is the very essence of peace. The opposite of peace is stress. Stress needs two opposing forces: how things are, and how I want them to be. But when you recognize ourselves to be the three marks, there's no such thing as anything being opposed to anything. So I want to touch upon some obstacles. Um, and I'll kind of just start. I, I sent some over to, to Don. Um, Don, do you want to put the first one into the chat box, if you don't mind? Oh, we are not present. Um, To go back when I was talking about the beginning, kind of where we start this process of discovering the three marks is just in simple mindfulness, just mindfulness of the four foundations. We are, most of us, and most of society, we're so far removed from being present with the with the the simple the most simple aspects of existence you know like when we start off when you know if we go on retreat or we are in class or anything let's say you go on retreat or, or just being mindful at, at all we're being mindful look at where we start we're being mindful in the most simple simple things which is just basically the mantra what am i doing right now right this is the mantra of, of basic mindfulness what am I doing right now? I'm eating, and I know that I'm eating. I'm listening, and I know that I'm listening. I'm walking, and I know that I'm walking. I'm driving, and I know that I'm driving. I'm arguing, and I know that I'm arguing. We're, most of the time, we're not even doing that. So we, we want to kind of pierce into... We want to look so far into what is that we see its nature, but we're not with what is at all, usually. We're just in clinging to the mind, 
right? So this constant clinging to the mental formations, this addiction to thinking and, to th and the thinking mind removes us from the most basic, the most basic doorway or entry into this whole in investigation. Sitting, I know that I'm sitting. Standing, I know that I'm standing. Breathing in, I know that I'm breathing in. Breathing out, I know that I'm breathing out. So this is a, it's an obstacle. The very basic obstacle is that of distraction. You know? So we can't even get in, we can't even begin, right? So, so we know we're all working on this, right? So more and more moments of mindfulness. So the second one, okay. This is more pointing to concentration. So even when we're present, we're, we're not present for a long enough period of time. We're entering into, every time we have a moment of mindfulness, we have entered into a, a new realm of being. But we cannot shut the door. It's like opening the door to a new universe for five, ten seconds, and then closing the door and saying, ah, there's not much there. <laughs> uh, we, can't shut, we can't keep shutting the door. And so... We have to work on our concentration along with our mindfulness. Again, mindfulness brings us back. Concentration holds us there, right? So we have to sustain those, those moments of mindfulness longer. And this takes discipline, you know? I think maybe we don't talk about discipline enough. I think we all know it's there because we want to balance that with self-care. But... If we want to investigate long enough, like the scientist underneath the microscope, we can't keep pulling out, you know, what we're investigating. It would be like pulling out the slide underneath the microscope every few seconds. Like we have to really hold it and look at it. So we're looking at the nature of phenomena in a sustained way so we can understand its nature. Right. Okay, the next one. So this is basically dukkha here. We have to really believe happiness is not out there. Um, yeah, so I think the next one points to this. So um, that unsatisfactoriness, if we were to know that for sure, then we would, we would practice dharma insatiably. You know, I was reading a Tibetan text uh, this past week. And they say this quite a bit. There's like these really famous texts that, that say this. And there's some of these texts are kind of daily sadness, which is leaving one's homeland is half of the Dharma. Leaving one's homeland is half of the Dharma. Half of the Dharma is extracting yourself from your friends and your families and running off into a cave and meditating. Like this is an old school Tibetan type of um, philosophy. Now, it's not really about the literally running off and leaving your family and to die alone in a cave. They say this is like great success, you know, die alone in a cave. It's about 
it's about the cutting the, the, the attachment ties of like, oh, you know, it's in, it's here. It's like if you had the, the motivation like this to extract oneself from uh, this, this life enough to turn inward, you know. Uh, so this is a, another way to put it. It's like you have to let go of this life. You know, this is it's said like this too. Like the, the, this, the, the, the sense pleasures have to be cut. And, and again, if we know through, because of impermanence and because of these contemplations that things are unreliable, like we have to understand that it definitely cannot be out there. It definitely cannot be. So it has to be inside because it's definitely not out there. It has to be inside. Right? So if we really believe that, we would go with full volution um, inward in that, in that direction. And the next one. So, so even, even if we really want liberation, so these two go together, even if we want liberation, we want it to look like peace in this world. <laughs> it's like we have this idea, again, there's this kind of anti-three marks. It's like we want liberation, but we want liberation and freedom samsarically somehow like even even if we do want liberation we want it to look like um our idea of success out there right we're not truly convinced that you know you know that it's through the recognition of of impermanence like if i said you know i use this analogy a lot but if i give you a million bucks or you know like five million bucks are you going to take five million bucks or are you going to take the realization of impermanence? I'll give you the realization of impermanence or five million bucks. Most people will take the five million bucks. Because they think that five million bucks is going to get them the happiness. Or even it'll get them the enlightenment somehow. You know, like, oh, I'll be able to like quit my job and go in a cave or something. <laughs> We're not convinced. We're not convinced, um, and and if it's going to have some kind of, it's going to be some kind of samsaric, like, like Casey will be enlightened. You know, like if if I have the enlightened Casey, then that will be, that will be cool, but I don't want to annihilate Casey to do that, right? So it'll be in the framework of still a me and an I, getting something, attaining something, grabbing onto something. I want it in this frame of reference. I'm not really, I'm not, I'm, I'm not willing to give up the, my, my conceptual understanding of reality to get it. I'm not willing to surrender to that. Right. So therefore, it leaves us kind of stuck and that we're not open to surrendering to see things actually as they are because we're still grasping. It's a big obstacle. That one's hard to, for me to explain. Sorry. Um, the next one. Is there a next one? Um, yeah. So that's 
I actually I actually did both of those. So we don't see dukkha. Uh, we want to exchange it for a, a better samsara. That's another way to put it. You know, we want to exchange instead of um, wanting an enlightenment or liberation, we we just want a better samsara. You know, we want oh to be liberated, but still be attached. Okay, we covered a little bit of ground. <laughs> oh, hopefully not too much. But um, so let's let's uh, unpack a little bit together. Uh, so I'll I'll divvy us up into uh, smaller groups, and maybe the the topic. We'll just see how this this landed just in general, and you know maybe you could talk about. Um, how you find joy in in these topics already, or maybe your aversion or obstacles um, to to these. Um, yeah, or just try to work out more of the understanding part, because like I said, these are really really huge topics. So just just uh, unpacking that is good too. So, all right. All right, all right, all right. Does anyone want to share with a larger group what came up for them? Um, I can't see everybody's. I, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm just on my phone. Sure. But I, yeah. I really appreciated what you said about uh, emptiness and impermanence being very much related. You know. It's mm. like two sides of the same coin. It, um, <laughs> one, you know, uh, but anyway, I, I like the way you put it. Uh, Wonderful. That was, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, impermanence is like emptiness of, of time. And um, yeah, when we look at anatta, non-self is like emptiness of space. Right. Just needs more unpacking, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were talking in our group about, um, well, about a number of things that um, that you were that you were saying, but um, we were we were like one of the things that really struck me is about when you said we don't see dukkha. If we do, we want to exchange it for a better samsara. Mm. You know, gave the example about, you know, here, here's what you're offering, you know, the five million dollars for the understanding of impermanence. And we were talking about like, wow, you know, you think about, you know, we've been so conditioned in our in our capitalist economy. It's like, yes, I would take that five million, <laughs> you know. And, and someone was saying, oh, think of all of the, the teachings and all the, all the, you know, retreats I could go on and blah, 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 blah. Mm. So it's, yeah, that, that really, that's definitely struck a chord with me. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I was just going to say in response to what Karen said, that it's like, we don't have a frame of reference for what that would look like. Like, I only know what samsaric you know, 
what, what samsara looks like. I don't know what enlightenment looks like. And that's yeah. why it sounds good to me. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. enlightened, the enlightened self, the enlightened me. Okay, that's, I'll choose that one, but I don't know what the other one even looks like. Yeah, and that's, that's why, you know, practice is so important. And then that we get these little tastes, you know, it's like a very gradual, a very gradual thing where we start to get tastes of not only seeing that, you know, the samsaric and this grasping of, of samsaric things, we see the emptiness of them just little by little, just little hits here and there when we're looking into the nature of them. And we're looking into the nature of them by simply sitting with them and seeing that their nature is impermanent over and 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 over again. And we get these little tastes of contentment without grasping. Like we go on retreat or sit for five minutes and you think, wow, this was very peaceful and I did nothing. There was no ice cream. There was no Netflix. There was no nothing. I sat there and I felt 30 seconds of contentment and I was just with myself you start to add up into an actual way of being where we start to just reverse that process instead of looking at it from out there is we could turn it inward. It's a very small little bit at a time. Thank you. Thanks, Casey. Beautiful talk. Really enjoyed it. Um, you were talking uh, actually uh, on the third point that you had mentioned about it, that you really have to really have to believe that the happiness is not out there. So we went with the, we're talking about this, this hit me uh, to share with the group about the Joseph Campbell's the story of like journey of the hero, you know, uh, the, there is a problem in the village or myself and I go out in the darkness, in the unknown, sitting meditations, whatever we do, and then find it and come back to my own self. So knowing that it's all along it's been here, like they were sharing about the Alice's story and whatnot. You didn't have to do all the drama to go find out that you already had it in you. But but that's that journey, that, that's your hero's journey. It's been a very good contemplation. Thank you, Casey. Beautiful. Thank you, Ali. Good morning. And good morning. thanks for your talk, Casey. Um, yeah, thank you. I really love that idea of like, you know, we're looking for a better samsara. I certainly first went to a meditation class with like a self-improvement goal in mind and you know the path has so changed from there but i still have to be vigilant to that because i can still you know intellectualize something from the past and like use it uh in a way that i that's convenient and i like but i'm not really i'm not really doing the real work i'm just sort of like cherry picking sometimes like oh impermanence because I don't like what is right now. So I'm going to think about impermanence. <laughs> this is going to go away. So just yeah, because yeah. I said the word uh, Nietzsche doesn't mean yeah. <laughs> that like I'm really talking about real impermanence. Mm. Um, and also I wanted to share, I saw an ad on YouTube with this young man who was clearly on like the balcony of a Hollywood Hills home and he was going to sell you on something you could tell right from the start. He's like, you guys got to check this out. You're going to get so much success in life. 
meditation. <laughs> you can meditate your way towards all your goals. And I was just like, oh my, oh God. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So just wanted to share that, you know, yeah. there is that out there. This There's sort of that out there. Appropriating of concepts, but not really, really yeah. uh, getting it. But yeah, that was actually something like that, not uh, an individual, but Wendy and I were chatting about that, <laughs> which led to this talk. So um, just to keep that in our hearts, that that this is where liberation comes from. And again, we want sustainable liberation. We don't want it fleeting. And those are those things that you can get something, but it's not going to continue to give back if it's out there. Make mindfulness. I love that term. It's funny. <laughs> Lars chatted. <laughs> Make mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah, Shannon wrote it relates to intention 100,000%. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, thanks, Casey. It's uh, fun to come back. Fun to come back to these things. I have to go way back. In, you know, I can remember when the thought of impermanence or non impermanence didn't bother me. That just seemed true, sort of, you know, sort of empirically, right? Just, you know, and you may, you know, I sort of laughed when you said, imagine everything is permanent. You just know that's not true. But the one that was hard was, you know, no self, non self, emptiness, you know, that, you know, but, you know, at first that was a lot of resistance. But, you know, after sitting for as long as I have, that it just dawned on me when we were talking today, this brings such, great so much ease from that <laughs> you know, so much less you know just so much less stickiness i don't know it's just okay that you know that you know just really sort of you know frees you from all of that you know from from guilt from you know shame from all those other things out there when it's you know you know you don't it, you know you don't have to get stuck on your ideas of what you thought it might have, you know, uh, it's just so much, so much garbage sort of falls off, just fluffs a lot of, you know, a lot of baggage. So anyway, so, so today when I, you know, I think about those things, it just, you know, it brings, you know, I don't, I don't for the second, for a second, think I fully understand it or, you know, I, I take, I take enlightenment over 5 million bucks <laughs> for the record. <laughs> so if you're offering, let me, you know, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take it, but, but, you know, just in terms of, you know, we, you were couching it and these are hard things, but they've become really good things for me to think about. They're just sort of, sort yeah. of, you know, that more peace and ease come from those to me today than, than, than fear or dread. So anyway, and thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that share. You know, just, yeah, seeing the ripening of the, of the practice, you know, it's, it's awesome. Awesome to see that. Um, fantastic. So, and yeah, and you came during, if you would like to stay, there's, it's a perfect timing. Um, we have Dharma Cafe coming up next, which is just uh, kind of a hangout time. Um, but uh, let's just wrap up this for some of you, for those that you, that, that may need to go. Let's just dedicate the merit of today's uh, practice and then we'll move into uh, the Dharma Cafe. Speaking of impermanence, we could just reflect on how different we 
all are now in comparison to the time we sat down together at the beginning. And hopefully there is some, some goodness, some good changes in mind and heart and wisdom. And just projecting out that these positive shifts cannot only happen in our own minds and hearts, but in the hearts and minds of all beings everywhere without exception. May all beings be happy and free from suffering. Thank you, Casey. Oh, thank you. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.